Grounded on Christ podcast. Quick reminder that you can send in your testimonies and your recorded thoughts to Founded on Christ podcast at gmail.com. And we will jump right back in to our discussion and thoughts on the vision of the tree of life. All right. I think we're on to the great and spacious building. Yeah. So. 25, we, we have people that partook of the fruit of the tree, and then they become ashamed. Mm-hmm. And so, continuing on from there. And I also cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water, a great and spacious building, and it stood as it were in the air, high above the earth. And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manners of dress were exceedingly fine, and they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers towards those who came at and were partaking of the fruit. And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost." And now I, Nephi, do speak all the words of my father. Do not speak. Do it's not speak. <laughs> but to be short in writing, behold, he saw other multitudes pressing forward, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod the of iron. Yeah. <laughs> and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. Read the next one as well. And he also saw other multitudes feeling their ways, their way towards that great and spacious building. All right. So a lot more to unpack in those verses. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Where do you want to start? Um, In... First Nephi 12 and verse 18. Um, This is Nephi's interpretation that he gets. And the large and spacious building which thy father saw is vain imaginations and the pride of the children of men. And a great and a terrible gulf divideth them. Yea, even the word of justice of the eternal God, and the Messiah, who is the Lamb of God, of whom the Holy Ghost beareth record, from the beginning of the worlds until this time, and from this time henceforth and forever. So, they also put in there, there's a great gulf. Mm -hmm. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I know what a gulf is, but what's the... The valley? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the good pit in the ground that divides them. Basically, uh, I want to say it's impassable. Like a, a barrier between the forces of Satan and, and the people of God. Yeah. It's a barrier that separates them, yeah. I would say. Being justice, right? If I remember right. Being truth. I think it's funny, it says back in verse 27, um, it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female, and their manner of dress was exceedingly fine, 
and they were in an attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers toward those who come and were partaking of the fruit. And just in my mind, it's like people dressed all in their nice fancy suits and tuxedos yep. and ties, their and nice dresses, dresses and, yep. and you know, their Easter bonnets on and, yep. and all that stuff and just pointing and laughing. If you go back to Lehi, it's like, it could be like the leadership back in Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. That are all living it up, you know, preaching about, you know, all is well in Zion, you know, Zion prospereth. Look, we're, we're doing great because look at all the, the money, look at all the riches, we're prospering. So that must mean that everything's, that must mean we're in God's favor, right? Yeah. And, and pointing the like finger that. of scorn at Jeremiah and, and pointing, Lehi. Yeah, pointing the finger of scorn at those who are, who are humble, who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit and, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah. and are trying to um, listen to the Lord and hold on to the rod. Yeah. And receive receive that revelation and go along that path. Yeah. And I think the the ties to today are pretty strong with the imagery that you're using there. And there's so many different levels of this you can look at. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you just looking at the world and how they despise Christian living in general. And and that may Harken a little bit to later on with Nephi's vision where he sees that there are two churches only, mm-hmm. right? There's the church, the abominable church, the whore of all the earth that Satan uses, that anybody who is contrary to the will of God and the will of Christ is a part of, and then the church of Christ, which is mm-hmm. all those who believe on Christ and follow him will then be funneled in together to build up the kingdom of God in the last days and establish the church of the firstborn mm-hmm. eventually, right? Those are the two great church, great groups here kind of yeah. being signified. He says there's only two churches, right? The yep. church of God and the church of Christ, the church of the devil. Yep. And if you're not in one, you're in the other. Yep. And it's very much the same thing. He's got the, the great spacious building over on this one side of the river. And, you know, they're living it up, prospering, you know, enjoying life. And they're making fun of those people who have I mean, there's either two ways to be humbled, right? Either either the Lord humbles you or you humble yourself. Yeah. And usually one of those ways is a little bit more enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, all, like I've always they both require sacrifice, <laughs> but one of them is a little bit easier yeah. and it, it usually requires less uh, less catastrophe. <laughs> I've always been I was like, I want to be able to humble myself. I don't want to be humbled, you know. Yeah. Which, in order, when it talks about the great and spatial this building as if it was in the air, right? Mm-hmm. That means it doesn't have a foundation. So eventually, one day, when when um, that comes tumbling down, um, yeah. I forgot where I was going. Great was the <laughs> great, great was the fall of it. Yeah, but it, I mean that that's the time when they're going to be humble be yeah. humbled right yeah. instead of humbling when themselves. everything comes crashing to the ground yeah. and they're lying in the, the the wreckage of this building that had no power to save them and i think it's important that it talks about how it has no foundation because you go back to christ and the sermon on the mount and he talks about foundations and you have the sand and it talks about anything that's built on the sand 
great will be the fall of it. Mm-hmm. And anything that's built on Christ is built on a solid foundation. And so the fact that the great and spacious building has no foundation means it has no Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if the people in the building talk like it is, mm-hmm. it is not built on him. Yeah. In fact, I would say a good portion of the people in the great and spacious building think and talk like it is built on on Christ. So I think that there there's many different ways that we can subdivide the great and spacious building. But before we do that, Clint, why don't you go ahead and read uh, the interpretation that Nephi got? Okay. And I actually found out where I was. <laughs> like what chapter? <laughs> um, it's first Nephi 11 and it's a verse 35 and 36. And the multitude of the earth was gathered together And I beheld that they were in a large and spacious building, like unto the building which my father saw. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Behold the world and the wisdom thereof. Yea, behold the house of Israel hath gathered together to fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And it came to pass that I saw and bear record that the great and spacious building was the pride of the world, and it fell. And the fall thereof was exceedingly great. And the angel of the Lord spake unto me again, saying, Thus shall be the destruction of all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, that shall fight against the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So what I like about that is that it, it gives a very specific example, one that is in Nephi's future. Like, it's talking specifically, I think, to some degree about Constantine, Roman Catholic Church, and how the Twelve Apostles were essentially all martyred mm-hmm. for their beliefs. But I think you can you can take those examples and move them farther and say closer to us. Like I remember we were going to a uh, fireside. Me and Amanda went to a Janice Cat Perry fireside. Her and her husband were talking, and and they uh, he was at the UN building, United Nations building, and he called his son. And the son, so he answers, he's like, so what's it like at the great and spacious building? (laughs) And I think that's one, like, there's political, there's a way to look at this politically. You have, uh, you have the political side, like, I want to say there's the Getty and robbers, obviously, but there's also people who are so caught up on their own pride that they actually think they're doing what's good, but they're not focused on Christ. So they're also in the great and spacious building. And I think there's kind of two people that fit into two kinds of people that fit into the great and spacious building. There are those who have just become so enamored with the policies and the, the ideologies of the world that they are at the great and spacious building because that's where they feel comfortable because that's what's being taught there. But there's also those who are seeking to destroy the, the, the 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 church of God, like yeah. the actively working against it, and they're helping perpetuate that belief in the great and spacious building that you're you should be pointing the finger mm-hmm. at them. You're you're higher. You know more. You're better than that. And taking, I like to take things to the uncomfortable personal level, <laughs> which I think is really where we should be taking it. So think about the church, okay. Who in the church is on the rod? Who in the church 
is in the great and spacious building. And if you don't believe that there are people in the church on both sides, I don't think you fully understand the nature of this dream. <laughs> well, I mean, you see nowadays, I mean, we are living in the last days and you are seeing division, especially yeah. right now in the church. Yeah. And so, in, in in a lot of ways, the, the gulf that divides them is a lot like the separation of the wheat and the tares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything you want to throw? Well, I was just thinking back. You were talking about different foundations. You got you've got Christ, and you have sand. Yes. And uh, great and spacious building. Apparently, as far as they could see, it had no foundation. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Talk about humble, hum, being humbled and, <laughs> and humbling yourself. It just reminds me kind of of the parable of the ten virgins, right? Mm-hmm. One thing, some things that stick out to me of that is that at the beginning of that parable, everyone's asleep, right? They're all asleep. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the, it comes to where it's time to awake, and I kind of like how Moroni put it, where he talks about awakening to um, to the awful situation. Yeah, the awful situation. Waking yeah. to your awful situation. Yeah, that's kind of a, how I look at um, the beginning of the parable of the ten virgins. Is you has they're all asleep at the beginning, and then a time comes to awaken to your awful situation, right? Mm-hmm. And at that. That's the time in the parable when they wake up and you have um, and you have these different people. Yeah. And for me, it goes back to foundations. What's their foundation on? Is it on Christ? Is it on the rock? Or is it on sand? Mm-hmm. And what is sand? I mean, I, I looked up online for a magnification of sand. And what is sand? It's just a bunch of pulverized little rocks, right? Mm -hmm. Little rocks, maybe bigger pebbles. And in some of the pictures, you see like, you know, a seashell here, bits and pieces of coral here, you know, all that kind of other stuff. And the way I look at the parable of the ten virgins is, is... Sand can be anyone around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as where well, Christ I get into a lot more, but I mean, it's significant because Christ being the foundation, we view like anytime I think of that, I think of a big rock, right? A solid mm-hmm. rock, and that really defines Christ. He is solid, immovable, and he's fully unified with the Father and the Mother. Mm-hmm. They are. There is no shifting between them, right? They are compacted. They are one thing complete, right? For us to build upon. The sand is a bunch of people with different ideologies, constantly jockeying for position, shifting with the winds, mm-hmm. uh, non-stable, moving all the time because they haven't be, they haven't combined, right? Yet not one. with, with heavenly father, with Christ. And when, when we do, when we eventually reach that stage, we will combine and become part of the rock, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we, it's not that we are an individual sand. We combine together. We become in full harmony. I single to his glory. Right. Yeah. I think everyone's foundation 
they're everybody's default foundation is a sandy foundation. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like I said, sand is just pulverized rock. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And as when you're a little kid, what I mean, how many times have you heard this in testimony meeting? You have a little kid get up there and they all say pretty much the same thing. That's all. I like to bear my testimony. I know <laughs> yeah, this, this church, church is true. true. I love my mom and dad and <laughs> brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My mom and right? dad told I me mean, to say that. It's pretty, much the same, the it's pretty much the same thing. Every kid gets up there and says pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And where do they get that? They start off with their parents. Their parents are the first ones they first little little rocks that they start building their foundation on yeah and then you start getting older you have primary teachers you have you have yeah. teachers as you start growing up and you have church leaders you have people in the community you have ex extended family and that's pretty that's much where, where we all grows. that's where our testimony is founded when we're little yeah is on all these little little bits and tiny rocks and that's what sand is, right? It's just pulverized rock. Yeah. I mean, you can throw, like I said, in the under magnification, you have little seashells, you have little coral. That could be stuff like false traditions or cultural, cultural things that they're not rock, but you know they're there. Yeah. And I think that's everybody's default foundation is a sandy foundation yeah. and, and how do you get from a sandy foundation yeah i mean it's not bad to start there mm -hmm. but how exactly do you get from there to the rock the rock yeah. which would go back to the iron rod that's receiving revelation from christ and building that relationship with him it takes it from the sand and moves it to a more stable, more firm foundation. Yeah. And you have to go and grab it by the end yourself. Uh -huh. And you got to go grab it by the end. Mm -hmm. But the great and spacious building, it doesn't have that. It hasn't moved from a sandy foundation to a. Yeah. I mean, so it's it could be anybody. Yep. Could be anybody inside the church, outside the church. If you haven't taken the time to go to God and move that foundation from the sand to the rock, then when the time comes for that awakening and that, that when that falls, then yeah. You wake up to your awful situation, realize you don't have a foundation. Yeah. And yeah. you're not even sure if God is, if you're not even sure if you believe in God anymore because yeah, your foundation was on what you were taught <laughs> growing up instead of relying on Christ yourself. Christ. Yeah. Yep. That's why you have to build up your own testimony mm -hmm. on Christ and be able with to. With his help. Yeah, with his yeah. help. You need to hold on to that rod. Yeah. Need to be on that path of following the commandments and keeping your covenants and reading, you know, the primary answer, reading the scriptures, yeah. <laughs> saying your prayers, you know, mm -hmm. doing all that. Yeah. So. 
right. Anyway, um, and from that, um, in chapters, First Nephi chapters 13 and 14, um, it just goes on to talk about um, the vision of America and the last day prophecies um, that we're living in today. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which have to do with the great and spacious building. Yeah. I mean, there's... You, they're still talking about it in the both of these chapters. There's not really um, much other interpretation other than what is going to happen because of the the true church and then the abominable church. Yeah. So. Well, and I think it's. If you're, if you're reading through First Nephi 8, and I, I guess it will be up to decide if we want to continue reading or not, but more or less, that is the end of yeah. the vision. It continues on with Lehi talking about, you know, okay, this is, you know, this is the grand vision set up, and this is why he fears for Laman and Lemuel, why he's excited for Nephi and Sam. He has reason to take joy in them. But this, this is also why Nephi then continues on to get the visions that he does, because this this almost sets like a framework. It's a it's a a foundation, so to speak, mm -hmm. for him to move on to see the rest of the things that are going to happen. Because all the pieces have been set in motion, all the major aspects of moral life have kind of repre been represented yeah. at this point, and he moves on to visions of what will happen and how how the this parable, this dream of the tree of life is applicable through all stages of this earth's development through every yeah. dispensation. Yeah. I think once you get on the iron of rut, like you start at the beginning, mm -hmm. once you are on it, you're on it. Okay. And if you hold fast, yeah, <laughs> Don't Hold let fast. go. <laughs> Don't let go. But I think once you're on it, you will stay on it. You might, you know, things come, tribulations come, but you'll still hold on to that rod. You'll still, you need that. You need revelation. You need that comfort. You need that word of God. You need that relationship with him. Yes. Um, so once you're on that path, I think it's going to be really hard for you to let go. And I don't think you will let go unless you, unless you give up totally and then turn against the Lord. So. Yeah. Unless, uh, Unless you you let go of the rod, whether you do it subconsciously or consciously, and yeah. you join the the well, the great and spacious building. If right? you look at the different groups, you have that group or that multitude of con or concourses of people or whatever, 
and they find the path that they don't take a hold of the iron rod. Mm -hmm. And you have the group that holds onto the iron rod, goes, tastes of the fruit, but then they they're ashamed. They're ashamed and mocked and, mm -hmm. and they go away. But it says anybody who actually hold, finds the rod and holds onto the rod, they make it to the tree. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then and when then the they're tree, ashamed yeah. after they take the fruit. And I consider those people like people that become sons and daughters of tradition, right? Those oh, yeah. people who they've experienced that, they've tasted the fruit, and then they go away from that. Yeah, which, Lucifer. Which would be like Lucifer and sons, of, fruit, sons and daughters of tradition. Yeah. And I mean... It does happen. People do get to the tree and then they go away for some reason. Yeah. But. Yeah, because I, I think it's really easy. We make the comparison to these are the people who find the truth and then, and then, you know, they lose their testimony, right? We, we kind of interchange the parable of the sower seeds right here. And, but I, I think that interpretation is more apt here that someone tastes of the glory and then are seduced or ashamed of what they have and they want something else and mm -hmm. they forsake it for that. I think that's a better Which, description. But I find it interesting that it doesn't say that there was a group of people who caught hold of the rod and, and then let go of it. It's like everybody point. who grabbed hold of the end of the rod, they made it to the tree. Yeah. But, yeah. <coughs> and it's funny, like, like I knew the, the doctrine of Christ, which is, you know, receiving baptism and, and following on the path of direct uh, instruction from the Savior to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And then continuing down that path to you receive the fullness of glory, right, in Christ's presence. Like mm -hmm. I knew that was represented in here. But as you break it down, like we just did, you see how it is. It is not just represented. It is, it is the story <laughs> like that. It's what it is teaching and saying, just as Christ did to uh, when he gave the sermon about the bread of life, about him being the bread of life and that those that eat of his flesh, believe on him mm -hmm. will be saved. That's what he's teaching here to Lehi and to Nephi, because they're asking that Christ is the only way. And it's only through the direct instruction of him that you will be able to make it to that point. Mm -hmm. Are we we're near I, the end here? Or do we have more <laughs> you want to throw in? Well, I, I was going to have Amanda just finish Lehi's okay. dream. And then we'll <coughs> just talk through the very last kind of chapter of where Nephi's talking to his brothers because his brothers come to him wanting to know of what their father was talking about because they didn't go to the Lord. And it came to pass that many were drowned in the depths of the fountain and many were lost from his view wandering in strange roads. And great was the multitude that did enter into this strange building. And after they did enter into that building, they did point the finger of scorn at me and those that were partaking of the fruit also. But we heeded them not. 
These are the words of my father, for as many as heeded them had fallen away. And Laman and Lemuel partook not of the fruit, said my father. And it came to pass, after my father had spoken all the words of his dream or vision, which were many, he said unto us, <clears throat> Because of these things which he saw in a vision, he exceedingly feared for Laman and Lemuel. Yea, he feared lest they should be cast off from the presence of the Lord. And he did exhort them then with all the feeling of a tender parent that they would hearken to his words, that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them and not cast them off. Yea, my father did preach unto them. And after he did preach unto them, and also prophesied unto them of many things. He bade them to keep the commandments of the Lord, and he did cease speaking unto them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So I find that interesting is, other than him mentioning that he saw Laman and Lemuel near the beginning of the river, mm -hmm. does it say anything about where they ended up? Yeah. They didn't end up in the building. Well, it doesn't say they went to the building, but it doesn't really say what happened to them. No. Nope. It's like they were, uh, they still had to determine. Yep. <laughs> it seems that Nephi and, yeah, Nephi and Sam and his wife, there was a little bit more of an indication where they were at, but Laman and Lemuel, a little bit more open-ended. Yeah, but Lehi feared for them, but I Less, guess it's still yeah. open ended. It wasn't determined where they'd end up, right? Yeah. Like as you as we were reading that, I I couldn't help but think like, okay, what if what if they had right? Let's let's get into hypothetical territory. What if they had asked? And like my initial thought was like, oh, but then they probably would have just gotten in line. Right, mm -hmm. they would have gone along with Nephi and Sam, and there would have been less murmuring, and they would have just, you know, done the things. I'm like, but that didn't sit well with me, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought about it more. I'm like, you know, maybe there would have been awesome, great new things, or easier things, or wonderful things that the Lord had in store for Laman and Lemuel to bring for the family that just couldn't happen because they didn't, they couldn't as. Le uh, Lehi says here, keep the commandments of the Lord. Being, in other words, you know, listen to His personal direction to them. Yeah, and I wonder so if there was focused on listening yeah. to listening other voices. to yeah, exactly the the righteousness of the people they left of behind, Jerusalem, yeah. and they Jerusalem, and they yeah. constantly go back to that throughout this entire process to the point that they then resent the Nephites, and it becomes the the impetus for the family feud that eventually claims the Nephite civilization. Yeah. Right? All harkening back to this, but I just like, what wonderful things did God have in store for them and for that family that he could have brought forth through them if they had listened and tried. Mm -hmm. It's not that they just would have fallen in line and towed the company line. It was the fact that they probably would have brought about great and amazing things they would have been themselves, but the best version of themselves. And I think it's it's the same for us. It's grabbing hold of the rod doesn't mean that you just 
get on the conveyor belt and follow the line of people heading towards the tree of life. Dang it. (laughs) It means that each and every one of us gets to experience the joys and wonders of what our mission is. Mm -hmm. And Christ gets to direct us individually about what that is. And it may be, you know, a little bit different than the person behind us, but it's, it, it leads to the tree. It would be nice to have a conveyor belt because then you would get there a lot faster. <laughs> those, those airplane or airplane airplane yeah. airport walkways. Yeah, yeah. But just you sit on and they move you to. Yep. We go into the tree of life. Great. <laughs> just hold on to the rod. We're here. We go. Yep. And the rod would have to be moving too, right? If you're on the yeah if you're on the moving path. You gotta have the moving, <laughs> moving yeah, the rod. moving rod right <laughs> yep. to the tree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah, but Laman and Lemuel, that doesn't really. It's pretty open ended about where they end up. Yeah. But right. I still think if we go back to foundations, I think their foundations were very firmly with the leadership and the people in Jerusalem. Yep rather than on their own father, who they saw as a crazy person. Crazy man, a visionary man, with the imaginations of his own heart. Yeah, I mean, how dare he follow the inspiration and dreams that the Lord were giving him instead of the synagogue rulers and the the people expounding the scriptures, quote-unquote, editing out the precious and plain parts of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had to... I think that was one of the things that Lehi, I think he was a great scriptorian. Yeah. Well, and he, he, was, had to, he had to go back, send his kids back to get the scriptures. Yeah. Because at that point, I don't think he was all that well versed in, in the truth. I mean, yeah. he got what he was taught. You got yeah. what they were teaching back in Jerusalem. But he obviously recognized yeah. that there was something wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, but they're not to... giving me everything here. And there, there's actually strong indication that the brass plates uh, were a pure form yeah. of those books of scriptures before. That's why they wanted the brass plates and why they it was so important. It was a family heirloom that had been kind of tucked away. So the Deuteronomists it's, couldn't have gotten too and corrupted. It's very much like... Like the plates of Nephi will be later on where Nephi passed it down to his sons or his brother first yeah. who who added who added some stuff to it and then he passed it down to his son who added a little bit. It was very much the same way with the brass plates, right? You yeah. got Joseph who started it, started the brass plates, and he passed it down to his son and his son who probably added stuff of their own until it finally came down and wound up in the treasury that Laban was in charge of, right? Yep. And that's where they went and got those. Um, yeah, and that was so, the purpose in the Lord. So yeah. the brass plates were their Book of Mormon. Yeah, it was. And, and if you read <laughs> the scriptures with an eye looking for it. Because to them, it was the purest scripture. Yeah. To us... This, the Book of Mormon is the purest scripture. Because it's the less corrupted. Because it's the less have, corrupted. Right? And it yep. was it was translated yeah. by a prophet of God. Yeah. Exactly. So. And and there are there 
if you read through the scriptures with the eye looking for it, there's indications that we will have the brass plates for us someday. Oh, I'm so in excited. In the future, <laughs> which will be great to see. Not just the brass plates, if, but if all those other ones. It. If we will, yeah, yeah. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear for yeah. it, yes. That will be the day. Yeah. I'm excited for all the scriptures that are awaiting us. Yep. So uh, I'm like, this is just reinforced to my mind, again, the importance of what this podcast is about is founding yourself on Christ. Because quite frankly, if Lehi had believed that he could only get inspiration from God that aligned with what his uh, ecclesiastical leaders (laughs) were telling him, we would not have the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. They would not have left Jerusalem. They would not have come across to the Americas, and we wouldn't have the Book of Mormon as it stands today. If they went with the philosophy that was probably being taught in Jerusalem, yep. which is all is well in Zion, yep. you know, we are, Zion prospereth. Yeah, exactly. You know, who could who could come and destroy the people of God? Yeah, there's no way we could fall into apostasy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Which is an attitude that, if you look throughout the scriptures, time and time again. That same attitude is present right before every major downfall, and right during the time that every prophet is called and sent forth and stuff like that. You have that same attitude that the prophets are being sent to to, to teach or to um, take those things that were taught and correct them mm-hmm. and right the wrongs that have been crept in through false traditions and through culture and all those other things. Yeah. Every prophet that is sent is sent to correct those things yep. that have crept in, right? Yep. We have guideposts with arrows pointing the way <laughs> and Satan likes to come along and just turn those arrows around and the prophet comes in and he turns them back. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Courtney. Anyway, um, the last chapter um, is First Nephi 15. Yeah, yeah. Nephi's vision. Yeah. And this is just the chapter where his brothers come to him because they don't go to the Lord and seek their own answers. They <laughs> came to Nephi. Yeah. And um, so, so we're listening to what much, Dad said. And he said yeah. to grab hold of somebody who's holding on to the rod, right? <laughs> So we'll come to Nephi. <laughs> well, I'll hold on to the rod. You hold on to my hand. Lemuel, you hold on to Laman's hand. Yeah, and exactly. Then, yeah, Lemuel's definitely holding on to Laman's hand. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, yeah. So he pretty much goes through and, and gives the interpretation that he had. Um, and then... At the end, I'll read the last two verses, 35 and 36. And there is a place prepared, yea, even that awful hell of which I have spoken. And the devil is the preparator? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it says preparator of it. Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God, 
or to be cast out because of the justice of which I have spoken. Wherefore, the wicked are rejected from the righteous, and also from the tree of life, whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruit. Yea, and it is the greatest of all the gifts of God, and thus I spake unto my brethren. Amen. Amen. I want everlasting life. (laughs) Everlasting life is the greatest of all the gifts of God, right? Yep. Which is the fruit. Yep. And he doesn't outsource it. <laughs> That's something he does. Was uh, Christ stands at the gate and he employs no servant there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not to say that we uh, that we won't be asked to go and do what the Lord wants us to do mm-hmm. and become, you know, quote unquote saviors on Mount Zion for other people. He'll lead other people to him. Exactly. Where he can do the yep. same thing. Christ is is the the lighthouse when we are the lower lights along the shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, you want any closing testimonies or anything you want to say? Amanda's already, she's, Amanda's she's already given her part. Her <laughs> she's she's given, like, I'm done. She's read. So you have anything you want to say, uh, Amanda? <laughs> okay. I, do, I was going to say, I do have to say that part of this, she had a two-year-old asleep on her. So, so if you do hear some snoring in there, it wasn't me. It wasn't anybody. It was the baby. Yeah, the, the unofficial fifth guest was Grayson and his loud snoring. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I can just bear my testimony that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to. No, I, I'm, I want to force it. But I like to put the option out there. <laughs> um, that. It's important for us to, like, I think with every um, podcast that I'll do, it's always going to be a point of me that I need to make that you need to receive your own revelation. You need to hold on to that rod. You need to walk that path. Um things are going to come and you're going to be shaken, but don't let that shake your faith and your understanding that will lead you to the tree, which is, our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and Christ and being able to return back home and partake of that fruit, which is eternal life. And um, I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. I'd say, I mean, this isn't my podcast, it's Curtis's, but <laughs> I, I love the, the name of it, Founded on Christ. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, but the, the foundation that you want to build on in this podcast foundation would be a couple simple principles, and that's that we are children of heavenly parents who, who love us and want us to return to them. The fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 
is the only way that we can once again ascend and return to them. And the fact that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God who restored as much of the fullness of the gospel as he was able to, as the people would receive, right? Mm-hmm. That's, um, yeah. I think that's, as we've been talking a little bit about foundations tonight, I think that's, that's the foundation we want, right? We want that foundation of, um, of catching hold of the iron rod getting turning to Jesus Christ himself and building a relationship with him and coming unto him to receive those blessings and in in a way of reading through like the Book of Mormon that's a fruit that Joseph Smith brought forth proving that he was a true prophet and I just like to bear my testimony that in Christ, he is the rock. He is the foundation upon which we need to build. And if we turn to him rather than turn to a sandy foundation, I mean, we could, a sandy foundation being a conglomeration of everybody in your life, everything you've been taught growing up, everything people have told you, if that's your foundation, then you need to, um, you need to try and shift it back to Christ where it belongs. And that's only done through a personal, personal relationship with him. And I know that's true. And I say it, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I agree with all of that. <laughs> Curtis approved. <laughs> glad to hear it. Um, I know that it is really intimidating to a lot of people grabbing a hold at the end of that rod. Um, the, the pressure... Of, of possibly getting something wrong, of seeking for revelation and being deceived. Uh, but like we read, everyone that grabs hold of that rod made it to the end. And I want to say, I don't remember which group, but it says that they fell on their face when they reached the tree. And that's always stuck out to me because... To some degree, it showed that it was it wasn't easy. <laughs> you know, there was work involved, and there was a huge sigh of relief. You know, a falling to your knees, almost out of pure gratitude, but also exhaustion. Right, yeah. and but just because something is difficult and is going to require effort and time, doesn't mean that it's not worth it or that we shouldn't try. Um, this process of receiving the word of God means that we're going to get it wrong. Just accept that. (laughs) Uh, But I think we need to have enough faith and trust in our Savior that 
He will help us when we get it wrong. And knowing that because of who we are, that we set aside our crowns of glory to come down here, that we will get a good portion of it right. And that portion that we get right will be enough to propel us forward down this path. I know that for me, uh, the experiences I've been through that have reinforced the fact that I know that Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, and Jesus Christ are fully involved in my life. They care about the direction of it and that they are constantly talking to me and it's just me trying to stay in tune with them as much as possible. It, it is encouraging. It's faith promoting. It's It makes this process less intimidating and more of a joyful and exciting quest to be on. And once you're activated, you can't go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine we all feel the same way here. Uh, once you start to feel the stirrings of the spirit moving you in directions, nothing of the arm of the flesh fills in that gap. It's not sufficient. And, and that includes people who are still trying to do good, but they still don't have the right over to your eternal salvation that Christ does because he paid the price when he engraved us in the, into his palms of his hands and into his feet. He, he has that right. He, he takes that responsibility very seriously. And um, despite all the good people out there, and, and I, I had this reinforced to me tonight, <laughs> despite the good people that I've, I've listened to and, and the, the points of doctrine and, and things to think about. The only thing that is sufficient to move me forward and keeps me on this path is my testimony in the Savior and that iron rod and holding to that. And so with that, I'll give the admonition for all of us to seek his face continually and say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.